Welcome to Jerusalem Studio Podcast. Join us to discuss the latest updates from Israel and the region. Shalom and welcome to Jerusalem Studio. Less than two weeks after caretaker Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu failed to form a government, his opponents seem on the verge of translating their makeshift alliance into a new executive branch. The idea is to have a two-headed cabinet presided over by Naftali Bennett and Yair Lapid and consisting of six parties and being supported by two more. What are the prospects of this coalition successfully forming a government and if it does, how will it weather both internal and external pressures? To analyze this, we are joined from Jerusalem by Colonel in Reserve Ruven Ben Shalom, who is a cross-cultural strategist and associate at the International Institute for Counterterrorism in Herzliya. Thank you for joining us. Hello. Also joining us from the city of Bet Shemesh is Mr. Dov Lipman, who is a former member of the Israeli parliament or Knesset in Hebrew. Thank you for joining us as well. Thank you. And with me in the studio is our TV7 analyst and host of Watchmen Talk, Mr. Amir Oren. Amir, give us... Uh, a broader understanding of the current developments uh, vis-a-vis this uh, political situation here in Jerusalem. So the sound uh, that you may hear in the background uh, in Jerusalem, uh, which has been beset by uh, demonstrations and riots and therefore sirens, is also the uh, birth banks of the new government, uh, which has been in labor for the last uh, 10 or 12 days. And these... um, obviously um, coming into being. Uh, It was quite an effort, but uh, it seems to have uh, uh, paid off or being, it seems uh, to be paying uh, off. Now, uh, we all remember the uh, 1950s book, The Power of Positive Thinking by Vincent Peale. It turns out that this time around, the power of negative thinking had it uh, coming because uh, Benjamin Netanyahu managed to unify his opponents. So we have the coalition of the opposition. The um, uh, common denominator here is the dislike uh, of Netanyahu and the determination uh, to have someone else, almost anyone else, at the helm. And therefore, Even though Naftali Bennett uh, did not uh, achieve too much in the elections and actually dropped off at least one uh, member of his uh, uh, seven-member list, nevertheless, uh, the other uh, six parties, actually it's seven now, the other six parties uh, let him have um, the first cut with uh, Lapid uh, about to uh, be the alternate uh, prime minister and foreign minister and take over uh, two years from now. Whether they will be able to sustain uh, this um, hodgepodge coalition, of course, remains to be seen. But the main goal has been to supplant uh, Netanyahu. All the rest will have to wait. Knessert, uh, Member Lipman, uh, what, what do you think at this stage, uh, based on your experience uh, uh, as a lawmaker, is the, the primary focus of uh, those rivaling Netanyahu, considering the fact that when we're talking about ideologies, they're so far apart 
that uh, the, as Mr. Owen stated correctly, their main focus right now is coming against Netanyahu. But the moment they come to the helm, what's next? That's certainly been the the greatest challenge that they've had as they've tried to put this government together is to try to figure out what does the government stand for beyond uh, being anti-Netanyahu. So they've thrown out things such as the economy, uh, helping Israel emerge from the corona crisis. It's talked about the health system, which certainly needs uh, an overhaul. They've talked about unity, about uh, healing the wounds in Israeli society, which they believe the whole yes Netanyahu, no Netanyahu debate has created, and they even point the finger at Netanyahu and blame him for playing a role in in hurting and, and, and causing polarization in Israeli society. So they're talking about very, very broad themes. We're not going to drill down on a specific right-wing or left-wing policy on security. We're not going to focus on a right-wing or left-wing uh, policy when it comes to economy. But speaking very, very broad terms, that certainly creates a challenge, both in terms of the formation of the government and in terms of the longevity of the government. Colonel Ben Shalom, your take on this? I think uh, that we uh, are still clinging to this narrative of right and left in Israel, as if the right you know, have this clear agenda of, I don't know, taking over all the um, the territories, Judea and Samaria, and I, uh, and annexing, and the left wing, they just want to give it all back to the enemy and uh, and have a two-state solution. And I think that's no longer the case. For many years already, we are more looking at this pragmatically, right or left. On a personal level, I can tell you in the past, maybe I knew how to align myself more, and today it depends what the issue is. So I think in a way it's funny to think as if this unity government now is bringing together these huge clashing ideas. No, because anyway, the most important things on our plate right now are economy, are coming out of the pandemic. You know, there are so many things that that anyway are top on our list that I think it should be relatively easy. The problem here may be more is the political game, egos that always play a part. Uh, questions like for the Israeli, in the Israeli mindset at least, how can a small party led by Naftali Bennett become prime minister? He only has six people after one deserted. So, so I think the real issues of agenda, of national goals, is not that difficult. Every one of them can be broken down, including big issues like Iran, the Iran deal, and where to go from there. It's not right and left anymore. Still, I think it's going to be very difficult, but not difficult, at least when it goes to the right-left narrative. Mr. Olin, when, when we're looking at uh, the, the details that are starting to emerge, with regard to the various agreements being uh, uh, discussed behind closed doors, uh, we hear that uh, uh, Naftali Bennett uh, agreed for the first year, the moment he becomes prime minister, uh, that he will not touch on, on issues related to uh, Judea and Samaria, the West Bank, not related to religious aspects, uh, anything that has to do with contention in the first year will not be touched so, uh, in other words, like a uh, uh, member of Knesset uh, Littman mentioned, uh, they're not going to touch on anything that divides them, rather focus on everything that unites them, uh, which is currently basically focused on being anti-Netanyahu from the rhetoric coming out. Every party uh, has a platform which uh, in itself is a compromise between the various wings of um, each party, um, the uh, moderate wing, the more extreme wing, uh, be it left or right or center. So 
the uh, uh, incentive to come out with uh, an initiative has been diluted already. And of course, in such a coalition, which represents um, a compromise or many compromises, they will wait for other people's initiatives. Uh, these could be external. Let's say the Biden administration wants to restart the peace process vis-a-vis -vis the Palestinians. It will go to the uh, European Union, perhaps even to Russia and China, to the Gulf countries, and then go to the parties here, the Israelis and the Palestinians, and uh, with the help of Egypt and Jordan, present them with some draft, which will be, of course, different than President Trump's. So this is... Returning to the everyone knows uh, yes. paradigm. So, so this is one example of uh, an external initiative. Iran will be off the table once they reach something resembling the Joint Comprehensive uh, Plan of Action. For the next three or four years, it will not be a burning question. The other um, generator of incentives could be the opposition, the Likud-led opposition. And this will be a very vibrant opposition. You may remember that two years ago, after the first round of elections, when uh, Netanyahu uh, was on the verge of forming a government, Yair Lapid promised to make life very bitter for him. He did not, and Benny Gantz, his partner, did not. But this time around, Netanyahu, if he stays there, and if not, his uh, partners in the Likud are going to make life very bitter for this government in the Knesset because they are masters of uh, parliamentary tactics. They will come up with bills. They will come up with proposals um, which will challenge the various components of the new coalition, which is one reason why Bennett um, had to sign this pledge not um, as an initiator, but as a reactor to what the opposition will What is to be expected, indeed. Uh, Knesset member Limpman, where are we heading from here? Do you see uh, a certain reality in which uh, a new government in Jerusalem would project more of a stability considering everything that has been ongoing for such a long period of time, or the fact that uh, this uh, government will try to refrain from dealing with all the, the must-to-deal-with uh, must issues uh, rather than uh, engage with them uh, will actually cause the, the tensions to escalate even more. I do believe that Israelis are eager to know that there is a government in place. I do believe that Israelis in general like the concept, and I'm very much saying something very broad right now, but the idea of different factions from different sides, so to speak, official sides, uh, coming together, I think that's going to be very healing for Israeli society. I think that assuming that a government of this kind uh, is able to uh, last for a significant period of time will be good for the country in terms of seeing other leaders other than Netanyahu uh, in place. And I say that whether someone's pro-Netanyahu or not pro-Netanyahu, it's just there's a reason why in other places there are term limits and it's beneficial uh, for the country. Uh, I believe its greatest test will be on the security front. If Israel's tested uh, by Hamas uh, and you know there are partnerships here that here we do have uh, some element of right-wing and left-wing in terms of how to react 
to those situations. Uh, I believe that will be the, the greatest test uh, that it would find. Uh, but I do think uh, overall uh, it has the potential to be a very positive development for the state of Israel. Colonel Ben Shalom, I'd like also to hear your take on the security aspect of things. Of course, uh, there are very big gaps when we're talking about the people that are going to make up the new government, if it indeed comes uh, to pass. Do you think that uh, the current challenges at hand, whether it is uh, the, the Northern Front or the Southern Front, will there be any significant changes uh, during such a government which... Uh, Let's face it, it, it's not considered to be that stable. I may surprise you, uh, being from the security uh, apparatus myself, I don't think that's going to be our main challenge. Remember that in times of crisis, we all come together anyway. When we are attacked, then anyway, we unite and we all justify the wars. And we usually don't go out and initiate wars to, to gain anything strategic in the region. So... I think the, uh, the policy that we've been doing the last few years, which is trying to uh, prevent Iran from stabilizing in the Middle East and confronting us, and actually we are at war in Iran already as we speak, in what we call the campaign between the wars. And I think all these initiatives going on in the IDF now will continue, the force build up, the, the preparedness for war. And if it does break out in any front, if it's Gaza or the Northern, Northern Front or an all-out war, I think anyway, we're going to immediately implement what we've been preparing for all along, and then you won't even see a divide in the government and outside of the government. I don't think there's even any question about that. I don't think we're going to go to any diplomatic initiatives that have to do, for instance, with the peace process, you know, political issues that will change the status on the ground in Judea and Samaria that will ignite some kind of uprising that will lead to escalation, because I don't think we're going to go in that path anyway. They're going to try to avoid that. So just, are security, the European just, Union, just threats, just wars, I don't think that's going to be a challenge for this government. Are the European Union member states and, and the United States, for that matter, tentative to this reality with regard to the peace process? Because there are, there are some who, who are speaking about uh, exploiting the current situation in order to try and uh, do something from, from uh, the margins and then see how they can uh, re-enter, revive uh, some kind of dialogue. But at the same time, we also see, uh, on the other hand, uh, that those countries are uh, slowly trying to, to understand to what degree is such a government actually capable of delivering on anything. We're talking about young politicians that are finally getting the ability to go to central stage and try. Young politicians, some of them not that young, but that have made mistakes, for instance, like Yair Lapid. Uh, and I think that we as Israelis are going to watch them and test them, especially the right wing that are going to actually uh, root for their failure. And externally, everyone will. Our enemies certainly are going to try to, uh, to test the waters here and see what happens. Like you said, the Americans and the European Union maybe will feel that there's more a partner on the one hand or maybe to push if the Israeli policy was always against something. I just personally believe that they have no choice right now but to push all of these things aside and really narrow down to one simple platform. These big issues that we just mentioned now, they are strategic issues that we've been dealing with for, for more than 70 years. I don't think this new test, I think the, 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 they just called it a test, Bennett called it a test this week, this new experiment that they will immediately jump into the most strategic issues of the state of Israel. By the way, maybe we can address this later. I think these are not even the most critical things to deal with. They are internal. For instance, the ultra-Orthodox community, 
we're not going to do, by the way, the same mistake that Yair Lapid made last time. And that is, okay, now we're going to fix everything that's wrong. We're going to implement all of our policies. It's not going to happen internally. It's not going to happen externally. Even though that's uh, not what I hear behind closed doors again. Uh, Maybe Owen, it's wish, wishful thinking. It is wishful thinking on because, this stage. Because Israel is constantly living on the edge, on a very thin veneer near the volcano. Even um, if um, outside what you see is peace and quiet and uh, it's really a wonderful life here when you go to the beach or you stroll down the street, nevertheless, uh, an emergency is always right around the corner. Because of that, it's crucial that we have a moral leadership and not a suspect one. Because even though uh, Netanyahu um, has been a legal leader, according to uh, the ruling of the high court, a legitimate is not the same as a legal leader. And because he is undergoing um, a corruption trial, it is better for the country to have some fresh leadership uh, to be put to the test. Maybe they will be uh, found wanting too. But right now, um, as uh, my colleagues here said, it's time for a new team to make themselves presentable. Uh, Lapid uh, was born in the 1970s, uh, 1960s, Bennett in the 1970s. There are other people in their early 50s um, who are going to have key portfolios. Um, this is the new generation. There is an even newer generation of voters coming up, uh, millennials or people who were born in the uh, very last uh, decades of the last uh, century. Let them have their voice heard. And plenty of people are saying, what about the security portfolio and such? Bennett was in the same position like uh, Netanyahu, exactly. Same unit, same uh, rank. Uh, but uh, right now also, they will probably have the same defense minister, some sort of continuity with defense minister Benny Gantz, who was the IDF chief of staff. Of course, there's still uh, lacking uh, uh, discussions that uh, need to be elaborated on. But I'd like to uh, ask you, Knesset Member Lippmann, uh, also with regard to what I, I uh, alluded to uh, with uh, Colonel Ben Shalom, uh, when we're looking at such a uh, government makeout with so many small parties at hand seeking uh, one or two portfolios, sometimes two and a half portfolios, just to uh, uh, get a little bit of power, then trying to couple that with some uh, various uh, committees in the Knesset that would back it up and then allow them even more power within a very specific uh, area of interest, it would somehow create a more active government on specific areas of interest because each one will try to pull the government and has the leverage to do so because whoever suddenly decide, okay, this is enough, can dissolve that government and take the country once again into election. How do you see something like this actually uh, bringing all the parties involved, which let's put it again in the forefront Two Arab parties will have to join in order to make this uh, uh, government a viable one. Uh, at least from the outside, they will have to be a gush chosem, as uh, you said in Hebrew, a blocking uh, uh, block. How can you rely on Arab uh, parties at a time when the security situation 
is so volatile. Uh, Jonathan, let me add a very short follow-up to your question to, to Dove. Go ahead. You are a member of Yair Lapid's uh, list, and you know his uh, political pros and cons. He is now going to be the leader of the biggest member of the coalition, even though he is going to wait his turn to be number one. Is he up to the job, for the job? So uh, I'll answer both questions. Uh, on, on the first one, I, I think that each party is going to look for uh, individual small things that they can go back to their electorate and say, we were able to accomplish this. Things that won't rattle, you know, if you're more to the left, won't rattle those to the right, those to the right won't rattle the left. And they'll be able to say that along with the broader goal, which was yanking Israel away from Netanyahu's control, we also, to the best degree that we could in the circumstances, we stuck to our ideology. So just as an example, in the case of the Arab parties that would be getting funding to areas in the Arab population which are necessary and needed and certain reforms uh, that they feel are necessary for their community and so on and so forth. I think each one will try to find that one or two things which they can point out to, by the way, even the size of the cabinet that we're talking about is an achievement for Yeshatid, which has always talked about downsizing the government to be around 18 ministers. That is a fulfillment of a campaign promise, which they've stuck to during this whole process. In terms of Yair Lapid, I really do believe that this is going to be, uh, you know, this, this experiment, as we've caused it, called it, is we're talking about a, a uh, collective experiment where the various parties together will be talking with one another, I can absolutely say there is very good, not just uh, connection on a working level, but even on a more social level between Yair Lapid and Naftali Bennett. Uh, there's a trust between them. I do believe that Gidon Sar is now falling into that picture. Yair Lapid has that trust with Avigdor Lieberman. Uh, we're, we're starting to broaden this now to a group that will be governing together. And I think that the one thing which does bring them as a unity is going is, has the chance to keep them together. And that is, we want this to succeed. We want to make sure that the government does not fall back into Netanyahu's hands somehow. And therefore, we'll continue to make compromise and vote compromise to try to make sure that this works out. Colonel Min Shalom, I'd like to hear your perspective on the security uh, question of the, the previous. And uh, beyond that, uh, there is one sector that will be absent from uh, the current uh, uh, potential government, and that is the ultra-Orthodox sector, suddenly bringing out also uh, the United Torah Judaism, which is the Ashkenazi uh, ultra-Orthodox party, uh, as opposed to Shas, which is the uh, Sephardi uh, one, uh, specifically calling on Netanyahu to move aside suddenly, out of the blue, and saying, okay, it's time to give another candidate, something that didn't happen time and again uh, throughout the various elections, uh, of course, showing a certain tear and a worry that this new government formation might bring about significant change that would once again uh, counter their interests within Israeli society. Mm -hmm. I think, we, you know, they always pledge allegiance to Netanyahu, so much so that it's surprising. I mean, really, they're, they're with, him, with him all the way. So this is interesting to see now finally coming out and say, you know what, look, we're about to lose it. We're about to lose it. Maybe step aside. And even here, they just said for a year or a year and a half, and then you'll come back. But just so now we don't lose it. Remember that the ultra-Orthodox uh, parties, their number one goal, remember we, for some reason in Israel, consider them right-wing. 
Their agenda is not right-wing. Their agenda is themselves, their communities promoting their goals, getting funding for their causes. We also have a very unique construct in Israel, a, a historic mistake, I think, that we made in enabling this really crooked situation that we have now where the ultra-Orthodox community, community always are in a position to extract the funds that they need, even though their, uh, their place in the workforce and in the military, etc., these are huge, huge challenges. So now I think they finally see that their interests are about to be lost, they're about to be gone. So they're trying to do whatever they can to, to mend that. I think that with this new uh, unity government that's going to be formed, and we must say unity government and not a left-wing government like the right-wing propaganda is pumping us day in, day out, this unity government now, I hope that we'll have members from the ultra-Orthodox parties join later on. Maybe it sounds uh, imaginary. But maybe after it's established, after Netanyahu steps down, maybe even in the Likud we'll see a, a move to replace Netanyahu because finally after all these failures and when he's no longer prime minister, maybe we'll see Nubar Kat and other uh, young leaders step up. Maybe then they will join. Why do I hope they will join? Because on the one hand, I am against the policies of the ultra-Orthodox community. In a way, I'm happy that they're not in. I'm scared. I'm afraid from the moment that the new government will try to change the Israeli reality by force, making actually the ultra-Orthodox into the enemy. That clash will never end well. We have to do it together. Unity. Ironically, even though, uh, as you mentioned, they, they have always been pictured as a right-wing party, most of their uh, lawmaking is actually quite socialist, very left uh, in uh, conjunction with the communist uh, Hadash party, and they have been working quite closely together. Mr. Uh, Owen, for uh, closing. The ultra-Orthodox parties out of government is like gefilte fish out of water. It's improbable. They must be somewhere around the government, at least hold the finance committee in the Knesset, they must have their hand uh, on the till. And therefore, they will find a way to coexist with the government because their support will be needed when you come to vote on bills. It's not enough for a thin majority that the government will have to rule the Knesset. Knesset member Lippmann, two sentences. It's, it's definitely uh, an exciting time in Israeli politics because for the first time we're actually talking about uh, a, a real alternative of some kind and then we're also talking in terms of unity uh, of some kind. And, and that for me, uh, whether this experiment works or not, is certainly a cause for great hope and, and looking forward to uh, some project of this kind uh, working towards the future. Colonel Benchalom, last sentence from you. Netanyahu's era was always about he's a genius, he's great, he's unbelievable in the international arena, only he can do it. Now we have to wake up to the realization that Bennett, Lapid, and all these, they're no geniuses. They're people like you and me, but they're leaders. They will show accountability, responsibility. They will try their best. I wish them all the best. And I think there's a good opportunity for, for Israel. Well, that's all the time there are for today, and time will tell what will happen in the near future. But I'd like to thank Nizan member Lippmann, uh, Colonel Ben Shalom and Mr. Owen for being part of today's panel. And I'd like to thank our viewers as well. And we will see you next time. Thank you for joining us in another Jerusalem Studio podcast. For more content on Israel and its region, we invite you to visit our website at tv7israelnews.com and follow us on social media.